Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm your host, Beth Peterson, and I'm so excited to welcome you to the show. Today, I'm sharing tips for setting up your quilting space and sharing a recent quilting-related garage sale find. Arrange your machine quilting room for success with these space-saving tricks and thoughtful suggestions. We partnered with Grace Company to create a functional quilting space packed with useful storage ideas that can be adapted to a room of any size, whether you're an established long-arm quilter or just starting your machine quilting journey. Everything is an option when it comes to creating storage opportunities around the large footprint of a long-arm machine. Consider the walls under the machine, and even on the machine as storage areas. A long-arm quilting machine is a big investment in both money and space. Like any large appliance, once it's in your home, it probably won't be moved much, if at all. For this reason, before it arrives, it's important to consider how you want to set up your quilting space to accommodate the long-arm machine, its accessories, and your storage needs. Here are four things to keep in mind as you're planning the layout of your room or quilting space. Make room for your long arm, obviously. In most cases, you won't need to access your long arm machine from all sides, so you can set it up close to a wall. You should allow at least one foot of distance along the back so you can access it from there, but you can definitely put one side up against a wall. Some rooms better accommodate a machine set on the diagonal, so keep that in mind when you are planning your space. Think about the amount of space that you have to dedicate to your long-arm machine and select a frame that easily fits in within that footprint. The Quilter's Evolution frame from the Grace Company comes in 5, 8, 10, and 12-foot lengths. Think about the size of quilt you make the most when selecting your frame. Keep in mind that because of the room the carriage requires, you can't reach all the way to each side, so the maximum quilting width is a bit smaller than the actual frame size. For example, the 10-foot frame has a max quilting width of 83 inches. So if you often make very large quilts, you'd likely want the largest frame available. But if you mostly make throws, you can get by with a smaller frame. Watch a video comparing sizes of Quilter's Evolution frames on our website at allpeoplequilt.com frame, and we'll also link that in the show notes. Next, you want to think about what you want to look at when you are at your machine. Facing a wall allows you to watch a mounted TV or look at a hanging quilt or design wall. If you want to face into the room, that allows you to engage with the space, especially if you are sharing it with others or want to be part of the action. So if you have a shared space with a living room and you want to talk to somebody that is also in the living room, then you might want to be facing into the room. Although I find that I'm not typically looking up a lot when I'm long arm quilting since I'm focusing on the quilt itself. So you may not need much of a view at all. Next, you want to think about the lighting. If you can place your long arm near a window, that gives you natural light to work. It can also give you a spot to look out and give your eyes a break from the close-up work too. That's really nice and helpful for your eyes is to look out and focus on something farther away after you've been doing a lot of close-up work. If your sewing space doesn't have enough natural or overhead lighting, consider adding plug-in pendants. Since these plug in, you can hang them exactly where they're needed without having to worry about having an electrical box in the ceiling. 
Some quilting machine companies offer task lights or lighting bars. These either attach to your frame or are on a separate stand you can place around your frame, and those can be very helpful if you need more light. Get comfortable. You want to consider ergonomics as well. Make sure you adjust the height of your long arm machine so you can see the needle area as you stitch without needing to twist and turn and bend. Adjust the handles of your machine so you don't have to stretch when you're quilting. An anti-fatigue floor mat can help when standing at your machine for long periods of time. Also think about wearing slippers or shoes with insoles added to keep your feet happy. You can even try a chair to quilt while sitting as well. This is great when you're working on a lot of detail and focusing on one spot for a while. Get something that's height adjustable and is on wheels so you can easily move it along while you're quilting. Time for a quick break. We'll be back with eight space-saving ideas for your quilting room. Welcome back. Let's dive right into our eight fun ideas to maximize the space in your quilting room. Our first idea is an accordion drying rack. Store quilt tops waiting to be quilted on a wall-mounted drying rack to keep them organized and handy. The one we used has eight bars so you can store eight or more quilt tops in the queue to be quilted. Pair each quilt top with its pressed backing and binding fabrics and you'll be ready to go when you're ready to finish it. This helpful product mounts to the wall and telescopes in and out so you can easily access your quilt tops, but tucks close to the wall to store when not in use. Next is to use furniture sliders on the legs of your long arm machine frame. This will make it easy to push the machine against the wall if you need extra room for sewing or laying out a quilt top, or if you just want to push it out of the way for a little while. We do suggest locking the carriage in place so your machine won't roll around on the frame while you're sliding it. Don't forget to unplug it from the wall as well. You don't want that to pull tight while you're moving it. We do recommend checking for level each time you move the frame though. Having a level frame is really important for smooth quilting. The third thing is a rolling cabinet under your frame. Find a roomy cabinet with wheels that can be rolled under your long arm machine. Fill it with hard to store tools such as large rulers, thread, and even an extra sewing machine or serger could go under there too. You could get several to roll under your frame to eke out every inch of storage that's under there. This is also a great place to store any accessories, additional leaders, that kind of thing for your long arm machine. Our fourth idea is a hanging caddy. You can hang a compact caddy that has pockets on the end of your long arm frame. Find one with several small pockets and you can use it to store machine accessories, including extra machine feet, bobbins, and small rulers. We also tucked our quick start setup guides for our long arm machine and frame into the pocket, which has been so helpful when I need a refresher on loading the long arm, threading, or more. We hung ours on the frame with some 3M adhesive hooks, so there won't be any damage to the frame if we ever want to remove it. Our fifth idea is some magnetic hooks. You can add magnetic hooks to your metal frame that can keep tools such as snips close at hand. If you find you always lose your scissors, this is a perfect spot to hang them. You can just put them anywhere along the frame that keeps them handy. Number six is a batting rail. Many quilting machine companies sell batting rails as an add-on accessory. These rails let you store large rolls of batting off the floor and at the ready. 
This is another great way to use that dead space below your machine if you like to buy batting by the roll. And it's easy enough to unroll and load the batting right onto your quilt without having to take it to another surface for cutting. Number seven is a slim rolling cart. Keep your most used tools such as reference books, marking notions, and batting handy in a narrow rolling cart. The cart can move with you as you quilt and be easily stored when not in use. This is the perfect product for loading and unloading a quilt since you can pop a pincushion into the spot for a cup holder and use that for your long arm quilting pins. Roll it along as you pin and unpin and keep everything handy. Of course, you can also use the cup holder as a cup holder for a drink so you can stay hydrated while you quilt. And our last idea is about practicing your machine quilting designs. Hang an acrylic dry erase board on the wall by your machine and use this to plan your machine quilting designs. We love a clear one because you can use bulldog clips to add a block behind the board and then doodle possible quilting designs with dry embrace markers on the front of the board. Once you've chosen a design, you can draw it over and over until you're confident in the stitching route you'll take. I always find the transitions between designs to be the most difficult part, so I love to practice this way on the board. It gives you an idea of where you might encounter trouble spots or work yourself into a place on your quilt where you can't get back out. Adjust your design until you have a nice continuous path all the way around. This helps build muscle memory as well, so you'll be able to confidently stitch out your design once you go to the actual quilt. Of course, you can also write to-dos, dates to remember, quilts to finish, or quilting products you need on the board as well. We have all of this information with pictures and product links on our website at allpeoplequilt.com slash quilting space. We'll also link it in the show notes. If you are on Instagram, check us out at allpeoplequilt because we filmed a reel to show all of these tips and products in action too. Time for a quick ad break. When we come back, I'll be sharing a recent sewing-related garage sale find. We're back. I wanted to tell a quick story about a great find I had at a church garage sale a couple months ago. My mom and I were just setting out for a mother-daughter shopping day and noticed a sale sign at the church as we were driving out of my neighborhood. Who can resist the lure of a church sale? We sure can't, so we decided to stop. Right when I walked in, I spotted it. A vintage Singer sewing machine in a cabinet. I made a beeline for it and took note of the very reasonable price of $25, a good sign already that this was going to come home with me. It was near a plug-in, so I plugged the machine in and it seemed to work. It was a heavy machine and felt super solid. The cabinet was in rough shape and definitely could use some refinishing, but after looking over it a bit more, the machine itself seemed to be in great condition, so I told the workers I'd take it. They pointed out there were some additional items in the included storage seat where the original manual, box of accessory feet, and some other goodies were hiding. Once we paid, one of the workers helped me carry it out to the parking lot, and I was practically giddy as I chatted with him about how it was a quilter and had modern machines already, but this would be the first vintage one in my collection. He seemed happy the machines was going to a good home. Once we got to the car, I quickly realized it wasn't going to fit in my mom's trunk, so I called my husband to bring our slightly larger vehicle. Luckily, he was a good sport and came right over. Our house is mere blocks away from this church. 
After a little bit of him wondering where he was going to be putting yet another sewing machine, we loaded it up and he took it home while my mom and I continued our shopping adventure. We went to two estate sales, one was the home of a quilter, and I found a very nice quilt kit for $8, among other things. It was quite the day for finding treasures. Later that evening, I did some research on the machine model, and this is what I discovered. I found this great resource to look up your model number if you have a vintage Singer. It's an app called Singer Serial DB, stands for database. It's a super simple app. Just enter your model number from the metal plaque on your machine, and it gives you all the info about it. My particular machine is a Model 66 and was produced in 1948. Amazing that a sewing machine 75 years old still works. The production date is listed as February 10th, so now I know my machine's birthday. It also shows that 25,000 of these models were produced. Mine doesn't have the typical shiny black finish that I'm used to seeing, so I researched a bit more and learned the slightly textured finish was called black crinkle, black wrinkle, or Godzilla finish. Isn't that the best name? I love it. Apparently, this particular finish is relatively rare. Research indicates that Singer only produced limited runs of models 66, 99, 128, and 221 with this finish. And these all date from the 1941 to 1953 era, which fit right into the time frame the database gave me for my machine. Apparently, a few exceptionally rare Centennial model 99 and 128s were also produced in 1950 with the crackle finish, and specialist collectors rate these very highly for their rarity value. The decoration on crinkle-finished machines consists just of the Singer logos and a small decorative embellishment in the middle of the bed, but not really a lot of other decals or the filigrees that you would typically see. Because of the nature of the crinkle paint, the decals are faint and not bright and shiny like normal Singer machines. Although all of the black crinkle models appear to have been manufactured with shiny drive wheels, either spoked or solid, depending on the model, and whether it was a hand crank or an electric type. It has often been speculated that the crinkle finish was somehow related to war shortages or perhaps a military contract. However, there's no evidence to support this, and it was most likely just a cosmetic variation that Singer produced for marketing reasons. I'll put a couple of photos in the show notes so you can see this interesting finish on my machine. I just loved learning all these facts about vintage singers and thinking of who might have used it in the past. Did it get used to sew clothing or quilts? Or maybe the owner didn't use it much and that's why it's still in such great condition. I've told the story before on the podcast about how I learned to sew on my grandma's black vintage singer that I borrowed from her, but I'm not sure which model it was that I had learned on. I believe the last update I gave said I didn't know where the machine had gone, but I did ask my mom and she said when my grandma was downsizing her home, she sold it. And I'm still bummed she didn't offer it to me first. I imagine she forgot that I had used it and I'm sure she didn't realize I would have loved it or she would have given it to me. Ever since then, I've had a bit of a vintage singer-sized hole in my heart, so finding this machine felt like fate. I haven't had a chance to try sewing on it yet, but even if I don't end up using it, it is the perfect display piece in my sewing room. Do you have an all-time favorite garage sale or estate sale find? Maybe you found something at a thrift store or on Facebook Marketplace. Or do you have a vintage singer with a fun story, or maybe you have a Godzilla finish machine too? 
email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. I always love hearing when people find treasures. That's it for today's show. Until next time, wishing you the perfect quarter-inch seam allowance.